Welcome again to Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving podcast series by Tarika Foundation, which is focused on youth mental health. I'm your host, Dr. Lina Khanzode, a child psychiatrist and founder of Tarika. And with me again is Gayatri Narayanan, our wonderful mindful parent educator, who's been really gracious to continue to focus on this topic of off needs to really drill it so we can really, you know, make best use of the skill in our day-to-day parenting So just to do a quick recap, we have gone over the OFF-NEEDS acronym, observations, feelings, needs, empathy, and using all of those to engage with your child. And now today we are going to focus on the DS, the last part of OFF-NEEDS, which stands for developing solutions. So Gayatri, how do we put all of those things together and come to a solution? (laughs) Hi, Lena. I'm so happy to be here again. So this question of developing solutions, right? There's many different ways we can come to solutions in a parenting situation. But one of them, which I'd like to talk about today and focus on, is setting limits. And limits are really important for a child because it gives them a structure within which to grow, right? So children don't feel safe when they don't have predictability, when they don't have a certain structure within which to express themselves, within which to manage their day. Um, But oftentimes what happens in our modern parenting world is that we go into this mode of setting rules and then we become kind of the arbiters of whether they're following the rule or not. And then you get into, okay, now what happens if you break the rule? We have to punish the child if they break a rule. So it becomes a very kind of a rigid structure of rules. And in some ways, you may think of it as just a semantic difference saying, okay, limit versus rule. What's the difference? It's kind of the same thing, right? But actually, it's in the way it actually is used and the process of how you set limits and what you do when the limit is kind of breached, right? Like if a child goes out of the limits, like what do you do? That's what makes the difference between a rule and a limit. Because in the case of a rule, what happens is it just becomes a source of conflict because it's usually rules are set by the parent and it's almost like dictated and says, okay, the parent says, okay, this is the rule in our house. We don't do this, 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 and this. And you follow these rules or else there's a consequence or I'm going to punish you. So now all of a sudden, it's upon the parent to make sure that they're monitoring when the rule is being broken and what to do about it. And sometimes you don't follow through on the punishment and then the child doesn't take you seriously. And the next time they break it, then you say, well, now what happens? You know, so it just creates a lot of room for conflict and confusion. Whereas with a, with a limit, you can think of a limit as a, a good example, which my teacher, Ruth Beagle Hall, gave was you can think of limits like a scaffolding. You know, if you're constructing a building, for example, and, you know, you build the foundation, you build the first floor and the second floor and you keep going up, right? But while you're building the first floor, you have the scaffolding around the first floor. And then once that's built, then you move the scaffolding to support the second floor. So it's a kind of a flexible structure, which you keep changing according to the age and developmental stage and the needs of that particular limit. So it's not a limit for limit's sake. It's more like 
Is it age appropriate? And what is it that you're trying to meet? Like what problem are you trying to solve by setting the limit, right? So typically there's three reasons to have a limit. And you may be surprised, but actually almost all limits will fall into one of these three categories. The first is safety and well-being. So for example, a limit may be for a five-year-old child is that you're not allowed to use knives in the kitchen. Now that's a, that's a limit, but it's a limit that's based on safety. Another reason to have a limit is socializing, you know, social values, right? So for example, for a young child, one of the limits may be when you go into a restaurant, you cannot run around and scream because other people are eating. We need to be respectful of other people's spaces. You don't throw things because you may hurt somebody. It's rude to not say please or thank you or sorry. You know, so those are all kind of social limits that you want to teach your child. And it's a structure within which you're raising the child. Uh, so that's the second reason to have a limit. And the third reason to have a limit is sort of your family values, right? So each family may have certain set of values. And in order to uphold those values, you may need limits. So for example, in our family, we have a value that we all have dinner together every night. So that's a limit for a child, right, in a way, because for them, they've got to then stop doing whatever else they're doing and come to the table and eat with everybody else. Uh, but that's based on a family value. And maybe you don't have that value, and that's fine. But you, maybe you have another value. For example, in a Jewish family on Friday evenings, we have Shabbat. And so, you know, we do this, and this is part of our family structure. And so you have limits around that. So those are pretty much the three reasons for socializing, for safety and well-being, and for family values. So when it comes to actually setting the limit, so first of all, a limit is not a demand, right? So right away, it changes the dynamic. It becomes a process of explaining the reason for the limit, helping the child understand why. And the second is for older children, it may be a process of negotiation. You may have to go back and forth and say, okay, how about this? Or, you know, how about that? It may not be necessarily an easy process, but at the same time, it's respectful. And once you get the child's buy-in on the limit and how they're going to abide by it or what they'd like to do to cooperate and what kinds of needs are being met when they are within the limit, right? So for example, if one of the limits is make your bed when you wake up in the morning, now, what need of yours is being met when the child does that? Your need for cleanliness, for order, you know, your need for cooperation, right, from the child. So you express that and say, these are my needs. And if you do this for me, this will help me in this way. So it helps the child also then connect with your needs and what feelings and needs are operating in you. And then you can also then empathize with them and say, yeah, I know this is really hard because, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you're in a rush to go to school, you don't have the time to make your bed. And it sometimes may feel like it's an extra job. I understand. But can you please take the time to do that? So you're still holding the limit, right? But at the same time, explaining and expressing your needs and feelings. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. I have a follow-up question to what you were just sharing, just to kind of understand this more clearly. So if my need is that, you know, I want my daughter to make her bed after she wakes up. And like you said, you know, if you express it in a way where it's like, it's my need, 
may be difficult it may not be important for you but could you do this for me mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think about the three categories of limits you were uh, mentioning earlier kind of tend to fall in these three categories of either safety or well-being the social category and then there was family value based category so which one would this kind of limit of requesting to make the child their bed once they wake up would fit in so i would tend to categorize it in the family values thing because the value of cleanliness and and cooperation really because what you're really trying to teach your child in that moment is that we are a family and we want to cooperate with each other and we want to be helpful to each other so it kind of falls into the family values category but it could also fall into the well-being category and even the social category because say for example your child is now in college right and you're sharing a room with somebody else and you don't make your bed now that's not socially a very nice situation to have right because you want to be mindful of your roommate right so it makes sense in that way right yeah it's I, that's the thing i tell my daughter that you know this is a good habit you're developing you will be going to college in a few years and you will have roommate so you know this is something that kind of becomes like an unsaid expectation you know maybe they have the need or not but just as a value to have that cleanliness and orderliness generally is well appreciated by everyone right so it, i guess in a way it kind of crosses over all the three categories and it can be explained as such to a child that these are my reasons why and i think we sometimes tend to underestimate our child's capacity for reasonableness you know i think when we are very reasonable and you explain something they are quite willing to listen they are quite willing to rise to the occasion if it's done in a thoughtful way in an empathetic way you know they're very willing to to stay within those limits i agree with you i think that makes total sense i just wanted to go back to that example just for our listeners to understand most of our requests or limits mm-hmm. fit into some of these categories that you beautifully described so let's think about another example where you can help us walk us through how we do it i mean it sounds like you're kind of bringing in all the off needs components here and kind of doing this setting limits so could you walk us through that yeah sure so let's take an example of a limit and then maybe you and i can talk about what that process looks like you know how you would go about setting this limit with your child so let's say a good one i can think of is screen time it's a big frustration in many many households and the reason for it is that technology is extremely compelling it's just very very difficult to take yourself away from a screen if you've got some exciting you know tiktok thing going on or snapchat and you're you know busy chatting with your friend or you've got you know netflix happening and there's just so much content out there online and it's extremely compelling and not just for children even for us adults so part of the setting limit around screen time may involve you actually setting some limits for yourself and modeling that for your child right because otherwise they'll be like oh mom but look at you you know you're spending 6 hours in front of a screen like why can't i so we can justify it and say well it's for my work and you know it's really important but to them it's like well this is important to me so what are you going to do so it just becomes another point of uh, conflict and negotiation 
But going back to this limit of setting screen time limits, so let's look at what's the purpose of it. What would you say is the purpose of that limit, if you had to guess? So from my perspective, I think it definitely falls into the well-being purpose because often what we see is that the screen time, as you said, it's compelling to a certain extent. Now we are understanding there is an addiction kind of mechanism it has and you know you want to just keep going back to it. That does spill over your day-to-day self-care activities, it takes away time from often eating, sleeping is a big one. And so I think that's why I feel like it might fit best in the well-being category. Absolutely. That's where I would also put that particular problem, definitely in the well-being category, because children need sleep. They need rest for their eyes. They need activity outdoors. They need to be able to run and get some physical activity going. And screen time kind of keeps us from all of that, right? So that's definitely in the well-being category. I would definitely agree with you there. And just like what you just said, there's there's an addictive component to it. And there is science that shows that that's what's happening. There's a dopamine hit and then you want more and then you need more screen time to fulfill that need. And so when you're, for example, if you're talking to a five-year-old versus a 17-year-old, this conversation is going to look very different. So if you're speaking to a teenager, you may want to get into that conversation about, hey, you know what? There's this really interesting article about this. And here's what they're seeing about this addictive quality. Or you could say something like how sleep is really important in a teenager's development. And so it's really important to me that you get enough sleep because I want you to be healthy. And so you could express it in that way to a teenager. And also, depending on the age, the limit may look very different, right? So for a five-year-old, you may say two hours of screen time is enough. But for a 17-year-old, you may say, okay, three to four hours is okay. But again, it depends on when and how long. So everything becomes a point of negotiation, how long you can be on the screen, when you can be on the screen, what else you could do instead of being on the screen so you can offer them different options for spending their time. You could have a limit around turning off all screens, you know, half an hour before bedtime because that affects your quality of sleep. So there's different ways in which the rule can be structured. But again, depending on the age appropriateness, the developmental stage of the child, that conversation can look very different. But at every step, what you're trying to do is explain the reason for the limit, explain what needs of yours are being met, and also connecting with the needs and feelings of the child while you're setting the limit. So you can say to them something like, hey, I see that you have a need for socializing for relaxation, for entertainment, and that this is helping you meet those needs. And I see that, and I understand how frustrated you get when I ask you to turn off the device because you may be in the middle of a computer game and I'm asking you to turn it off. So I can see why that's frustrating. So you connect with the fact that it's frustrating when they don't have it and that these are the needs that they're trying to meet. And then you say, okay, so let's talk about how can we get these needs met, but in a different way. And what would you be willing to work with me? How would you like to work with me? Is three hours okay? And they'll say, no, mommy, but I need four hours. It's like, well, okay, how about two hours at this time and maybe one one or one and a half hours at this other time, right? So then you negotiate. So it becomes really a process of negotiation and coming together around the limit. And it it works, Gayatri. I'm like wondering if the teenagers do a pushback again and say, 
no, you don't get it as much as you're trying to show you understand what it is you don't really truly understand. And so how do you go about that resistance then? Yeah. So just to speak from my own experience, ever since I've been practicing this way of parenting, this was when my son was about, I think, six or seven, and my daughter was four. We have not used the word rules in our household at all. We just don't use it. We don't have rules in our house. So now you're thinking, okay, our house must be this crazy place where the kids are running loose and doing, and it's absolutely not the case. They just have a natural rhythm. And for the most part, things are okay. But again, there are many, many times that you have to remind them of the limit and say, hey, I think it's time to turn this off now. And then it becomes, again, a process of continuing that communication, continuing the negotiation, continuing to enforce that limit, but using empathy and using the needs and feelings. So it's a continuous process. It's not a one-shot deal. So Gayatri, I want to also ask you, do you actually use the word limit? Like how, you know, a lot of the other households have rule as a word they use, right? So these are our family's golden rules, X, Y, Z. When you are explaining this to your child, do you actually use the word limit or it's more just for you to kind of have that as a framework and you're just saying, you know, this is our value. That's why I want you to do it this way. Or this is our understanding and this is our agreement so I want you to do it this way I don't know you know that's a great question and actually honestly we don't even use the word limit in our household at least I don't use it consciously maybe once in a while that word may come up but I think it's mostly just a process of communication and we don't really use you know limit rule it's more like you said it's just expressing moment by moment hey Pralad can you just remember to put the trash out it's Tuesday or Monday night, it's one of his responsibilities. And I just remind him and then he'll go do it if he's forgotten it. Or So it's just, it's just staying in that role of parent as sort of a guide, as a support and continuing that process of negotiation and expressing your needs and feelings. Well, that's, that's super, super helpful. It's really very refreshing to have this perspective that, oh, you can actually use all of these amazing tools of off needs that you have been walking us through and put them together and they kind of work hand in hand it looks like and so I really really appreciate this perspective I'm sure our listeners would definitely also put these things together and and shift their parenting approach so thank you again Gayatri thank you Lena. Thank you for listening to Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving, a podcast series by Tarika Foundation focused on youth mental health. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Stay safe and healthy. Till next time.